0: Chances. There was an icy patch of night. The road went left, but I went right, and now I'm yours. Medicine the Musical, book, music, and lyrics by Michael Ehrenreich.
1: My name is Darlena Liu, and I'll be your host for this episode of Doctors Who Create, where we'll take you in front of and behind the scenes of Medicine the Musical, I'll include bits and pieces from the show so you get an idea of what it's all about and then show you a conversation that I had with Dr. Ironreich about his many other creative hobbies and the process of making this musical. I had a chance to see this musical in person earlier this year and it really takes you through what that experience of being a first-year medical student is like. Certain milestones in that journey include things like getting acceptance to medical school which is one of the first songs in this whole show. Take a listen here. Got a letter in the mail. Gonna change my life. Next the show takes you to your first day of medical school.
0: We have a saying in medicine. See one, do one, teach one. It is our way of paying it forward.
1: There's also an entire song about how to do an OSCE.
0: A suitable patient history, physical exam, and assessment and plan are all required for a passing grade. Objective Objective Structured Clinical clinical exam. Exam. We begin in three, two, one.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Jones. What happened to you today? There's been this sort of pain that's been
0: pressing at my chest. Sometimes when I'm walking, but mostly when I rest.
1: How would you describe its nature?
0: Is it sharp or is it dull? I need an accurate location. Is it high or is it?
1: Another song goes over the process of running a code.
0: You grab the ACD, you grab the oxygen, you grab the card that started on before it is too late. You call a code.
1: So hopefully this whet your appetite for medicine the musical. Although Medicine the Musical is no longer showing off-Broadway right now, there are many other projects in the works, and I'll let Dr. Ehrenreich tell you about those himself. Without further ado, I'll bring you to the conversation that we had about the musical and many other aspects of medicine. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. To start off, I was wondering, how has the response been to your show, and how does that differ from your expectations going into it?
0: I think that the response to the show was very good. I've learned a lot of things about who likes a show like this, who doesn't like a show like this, and it was a short run intentionally, just 14 shows, and kind of a learning experience and a market research experience and to learn, you know, where do we go from here? So that's kind of the next step now where we are in planning, can we bring the show back up?
1: So this was the first musical that you've written?
0: This was the first musical that I've written. It's actually the fourth play that I've written, but it was many uh, years ago. Um, I did uh, a couple of one-act plays uh, when I was um, in my 20s. Uh, but then I didn't do anything for quite a while. And then this was my first musical. Uh, so it was uh, interesting, a, a learning experience. Um,
1: were you able to keep up the creative hobbies during medical school? Or is it more post-medical school that you've had more time to be able to invest in, in
0: these interests? I, th- I certainly, I think, I have more time now. But I was doing stuff during medical school. But it was not this. So during medical school, I I was pretty pressed for time. Uh, You know, I had a family; I was a little bit older, so I'm a like a second career medical student. So I'd gone there after working for a number of years. I was married already. Um, I had a kid during you know my first year or so of medical school. So I was pretty busy, but I also had kind of the remnants of the company that I had started that I had sold um during my first year of medical school so i was still working on that and then after my son was born this was i think in my first year of medical school uh i had the idea for a product which was uh, my wife had said she was trying to you know exercising it back into shape and she said that her feet hurt and i said you need to cross train and you know bike you can't just be running and i designed what would become uh, the Zego leader carrier bike, which was a product, Uh, if you go to myzego.com, you can see this product. And this was something that I designed uh, during medical school and was working on, uh, you know, trying to make it a a reality. Uh, So I think most of my uh, spare creative efforts were spent on that during uh, my medical school years.
1: Oh yes, I did read about that. Did you have an engineering background prior?
0: No, not at all. And nor am I an avid cyclist or was I an avid cyclist at the time. So it was Mm -hmm. just a a concept and in that I sketched out the the conceptualization of the product. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, again, I had to involve a lot of people to help make that conception a reality. So there were, you know, at the end of the day, engineers and product designers, and um, you know, all sorts of people that needed to be brought in to actually make it happen and go from an idea to a product that can be manufactured in a factory in Taiwan. So that took some learning and some doing along the way. And you know, I'm not an engineer that could have done what the engineer that I ultimately hired to do did. You know, similarly on the musical, I'm a musician but I'm not the kind of musician that can take my music and put it into a, a orchestrations for you know four or six instruments and, and have them write it. I, I can't write out the music with that kind of technical detail. So you need an orchestrator and an arranger, and uh, you need to bring other people into your vision uh, to try to make things work sometimes, depending what kind of thing you're doing. Uh, as Professor Crutch in my musical says, "Medicine is teamwork, like a rocket to the moon." And and I think that in many cases that's true. Uh, you know, teamwork and medical teams, whether it's whether it's doctors and mid-levels and nurses and uh, the administrative staff, you know, definitely working in a hospital um, environment is, I think, very much teamwork. Um, when I work in private practice, you know, I'm the only physician in my practice. I have a nurse practitioner. I have staff. Obviously, we all need to work together. um, But still, I'm, you know, very much the captain of the ship, uh, you know, and there's nobody really to tell me not to do things a certain way. Whereas I think that if you're practicing in uh, bigger practice environments, you know, group specialties or or multi-location practices or hospital practices, there's going to be a lot of people telling you, Uh, you know, how you should be practicing medicine. And whether you call that teamwork or something else, uh, you got to be able to collaborate and and get along and take other people's vision into account, I think.
1: That does seem to be a big part of, a large part of being a medical student, working in a team. Is that one of the main takeaways that you hope medical students get from watching the musical? I know at NYU, we had a group of students go and see the show. Uh, I mean, I think
0: that any doctor or medical student will immediately recognize it as an utter work of fiction, that, you know, while it references, you know, many things that might kind of occur in medical school, it's nothing like a real medical school. So, you know, ultimately it's it's meant to be entertaining. You know, I wouldn't uh, recommend that you learn CPR by watching my musical. But I, I think that, you know, there's one element that um, might be a little controversial in it, and I've gotten different opinions about it, but I wanted to bring Uh, some attention, perhaps in a lighthearted fashion, to some of the pressures that People can be under in medical school, and you know many of the characters end up under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And it's theater and it's theatrical, so it's you know perhaps a little bit over the top in some ways. But you know there's a you know a, a reference or a theme that relates to suicide, which is a very real thing. Um, you know medical students and physicians, uh, you know there's an epidemic of suicide or attempted suicide, depression and burnout. And what I wanted to do was partially, you know, humanize medical students and humanize doctors to the people that see the show who are not doctors. And I think that what happens very often in a medical setting, people come to the mountain. You know, they want to meet someone who's not a person as they are. They want to meet someone who has wisdom, who has the answers for them. And it's very easy to forget that the person that's treating you, you know, wearing a white coat uh, is a person. And they have good days and bad days and they've got their own problems. And, you know, maybe they can, you know, cut you some slack uh, occasionally if you're not perfect, because, you know, nobody's perfect every moment of every day. And, you know, an interesting thing that I sort of keep track of in my office, uh, you know, I see, you know, I'm a dermatologist. So, you know, I see a lot of patients. It's a pretty high volume kind of practice. So in a given Day I might see 30 or 40 patients, so you know do the math. I'm thinking I'm seeing 150 patients a week, seven eight thousand patient interactions a year. I walk into a room and every day, every visit, I say, you know, how are you doing today? And you know I make chit chat, and often it's a distraction from a procedure or something I'm doing. The number of people that ask me how I'm doing, I could count on one hand in the course of a year. Surprisingly, it doesn't occur to like the majority of people to ask how my day is going. Um, and I think that, you know, people don't want that. They, they don't want to hear, you know, you know they're, maybe they're worried they'll get a, a, tr- a real answer. You know, oh, my day is crap today. Uh, I would never say that, of course. But I, I think that, um, you know, maybe there's something of that in there that, uh, you know, they don't want to see too far beyond the white coat. And it, it dispels the illusion of what they've come for. And, uh, you know, part of what I was doing was trying to humanize the people that practice medicine and the journey um, though highly fictionalized uh, the journey that people take to get there. Even if it's not true to reality, what you do take away is that it's a lot of work and it's really hard and it's a lot of pressure and, uh, and we're just people.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. I did want to talk a little bit more about wellness and mental health. Do you feel like having a creative outlet helps to reduce some of that burnout in your personal experience
0: absolutely uh i think that it's important that people have interests beyond their professional interests and i think it's important of course that you're very good at what you do and that you're you're confident and professional and keep up on what you need to keep up on but i don't think that it's healthy to spend 16 hours a day at it either so I think that it's a good thing for anybody in any profession, but I think especially medicine to cultivate interests. And by interests, I don't necessarily mean relaxation, you know, coming home and, you know, sitting in front of the TV for an hour or, you know, sitting on your smartphone for some ungodly amount of time every day. Uh, There should be other things that fulfill you. And I'm not saying everybody should go out and be a writer or musician. Uh, Everybody will find their own way. And you don't have to be particularly good at something to want to do it. Just something that you find fulfilling, I think, in a creative fashion that's probably as far from medicine or far from whatever it is you do every day as possible, uh, I find is is balancing.
1: For sure. How do you find time to do it all?
0: Well, I, I don't always have time to, to you know put a lot into it. But I almost always have time to put a little into it. And I'm a very big believer in a, a little bit every day. And this is something from, from medicine, too, in a sense. Um, you know, I remember, I think, you know, a lot of people, they they come to gross anatomy, for example, as one of those very first things in first year. And it could be overwhelming. It's a lot of material. Even, you know, I have a very good memory. Uh, I, I've done well in school. But when I sat down for Gross Anatomy, I was like, wow, this is a lot of stuff. And there's this kind of really corny joke, and it's meant to be corny, and it's in Medicine the Musical. And one of the characters asked the other, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. And you know, and, and, you know, gross anatomy is an elephant and, you know, how do you master it? One fact at a time, right? That's all that you can do. You break mm-hmm. it down and you do it a piece at a time. And, and then at the end of that journey and, you know, medical school or whatever it is that you're conquering in the world, at the end of applying those little bits at a time, you accomplish something extraordinary. And that's true in anything that you want to do. Uh, you know, you manage to do it for medicine. You could do it for anything. You have that capability, and if you have 10 focused minutes a day, 10 focused minutes, and you do that for a year in one thing of your choosing, you will be astounded at what you've accomplished in 10 minutes a day. And I, I you know, occasionally there's a day that I really don't have 10 minutes. But most days I have 10 minutes and most days I think everybody has 10 minutes that they otherwise throw down the tubes, you know, on their smartphone or uh, surfing the internet or watching cute cat videos, or whatever it is. Um, and, and if you could find those 10 minutes and concentrate them a- a- and focus in them on something, uh, you could get a lot done.
1: And it sounds like your motivation comes from this deep love and enjoyment of the things that you are doing. So it shouldn't be hard to find those 10 minutes, right? If it's 10 minutes spent on something that you find fulfilling and rewarding.
0: Right. I'm not saying, you know, take 10 minutes and do something you don't enjoy at the end of the day. Uh, I'm saying find something that you find rewarding or that you might find rewarding and find the 10 minutes for it. And even if it's something that you don't have, it's a skill you don't have. And you say, boy, you know. I spent my whole life, you know, studying and going to medical school and uh, I never thought about music. Um, I've never learned it. I can't play an instrument. You know, in 10 minutes a day, you could play an instrument. In 10 minutes a day, you could try writing something. And again, I'm using examples from my life, but but it's anything. In 10 minutes a day, you could learn a new sport. You, you could learn, you know, circus arts, <laughs> whatever it is. And, uh, you know, and I think that it it'll make people better people, happier people and probably better physicians because you know if you're happy and not burned out in your life and job you you do better at it.
1: Do you feel like you've applied this idea of cultivating creativity within your practice of medicine as well or have you reserved those creative energies to things uh, outside the
0: realm? You know, as an art form, uh, you know it sounds maybe trivial, like I love doing lip fillers. Like I, I, you know, I do cosmetics as part of my practice, and like that's every patient's different, and it's a sculptural activity for me, and it's it's art, and. It's instantaneously rewarding, kind of what you see is what you get, and patients, like you want it, you know, are thrilled usually at the end of, of the process, and it's not a mechanical process for me. Everybody, you have to focus and concentrate and make a composition of where their lips sit on their face, and it's kind of like painting or drawing or sculpture. So in moments like that, um, I have a creative outlet Um, in my practice and one other
1: thing I wanted to ask you about I saw that you created some board games too. uh, start up an election could you talk a little bit about uh, why you created those and what that process was like
0: sure so that was actually done for my kids and I wanted them to see and they were quite young I don't know how much they ultimately got out of it I wanted them to see how you go from an idea to a, a product to a reality and, you know, board games was something, you know, accessible to a kid of that age. And it was uh, sometime after a, a winter storm here, and we had lost, we, we hadn't lost power, but people had lost power, the schools were closed. So, you know, we were home without much to do. And uh, we sat down, and uh, the first game that we did was Startup, and that was, you know, some, a somewhat collaborative process. You know, I took the ideas of my kids, and they helps they drew the first board out, you know, in pencil on... On construction paper, and then we just like went through the process of going from that idea to a prototype to a product manufactured in China and sold on Amazon. And you know, I wanted them to see how you make ideas real. And uh, the second game was something that uh, was mostly me. Uh, you know, just my my older son was interested at that point in like uh, presidential history and elections and politics. And um, I had this idea of doing this Electoral College board game. And that was kind of born almost like in an instant. Uh, You know, I saw more or less the whole mechanics of the game and and pretty much did that one on my own. But that's uh, since we were already in the board game uh, business, so to speak. But that's how how those came about. It was exciting for me, actually. My son, after seeing the musical, um, and I'm working on a a new piece now. And, uh, you know, for the first time... He, uh, he sat down. They both take music, but they're not like terribly passionate about it. But he sat down and, you know, he knows kind of the story of where I'm going with this. And uh, he wrote lyrics for me. And, um, you know, after I edited them, I, you know, I did the music and he's got he's got a song in the show now. And that, that's like a good example for anybody. You know, we're all children. We're all, you, you know, when it comes to a skill that we don't have yet. And, you know, he's 15 and doesn't have the skills to write a novel yet. And he's going to go try to learn. And you know we we can all go back to that stage in our life where we didn't have skills and we acquire them, and it's never too late to do that.
1: So it sounds like your next project is another
0: musical. Well, there's a this is my third musical actually the one I'm writing now. So there's a second musical. It's called The War, that had a staged reading this year in April, and that I am trying to get into some of the festivals, uh, the, the new musical festivals. I don't know if that will happen. And then um, I'm writing a, uh, a new one now, which is uh, very different from, the, both these pieces are very different from Medicine the Musical, which is mostly a lighthearted affair. Um, this new piece is actually about the opioid epidemic and uh, not, a, not an obvious subject for a, a musical. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if or when or how long it'll take me to finish it.
1: I'll look forward to seeing that when it comes out. Should we expect to uh, see Medicine the Musical come back?
0: I really hope so. So I am working on it. I don't know if it'll be possible. It takes money from here to there, uh, more money than I can put into something like this at this point. So the project that we did, you know, at the Here Arts Center was just fourteen shows. It, it had no hope of being a commercially successful venture. You know, with fourteen shows, you can never make your money back. But as a proof of concept, you know, whether this is a show that people will watch and buy tickets to, I think it was successful. So the question now is, you know, can we bring in investors that will want to invest in the show with the expectation that maybe it'll make money? And that's the only way I think that we can bring it forward for a a longer run on a bigger stage. But I'm hoping that, you know, after people have seen it and we have video of it, you know, to show to other people who weren't able to get there that maybe people will be willing to uh, put some money behind it. And it's not that much money. Um, You know, it's not like a Broadway show. You know, we'd hope to go to a a larger off-Broadway show. Um, But it's still, you know, several hundred thousand dollars um, that we would need to put together to, to bring it back.
1: I hope that it does come back because I definitely enjoyed seeing the show. And I know a lot of people out there who would definitely love to see it as well. So all the best in that process. And thanks again for taking the time to speak with me. Questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at doctorswhocreate at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at, at doctorscreate and check out our website, doctorswhocreate.com, for more podcast episodes and articles. The intro music is brought to you by the band Nightfloat, formerly known as Tries Me Rescue. My name is Darlena Liu, and I'm one of the podcast producers alongside Shiv Ned Carney. Thanks for listening.